I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January, or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. I've been podcasting since 2006. In that time, I've tried countless hosting platforms. But in August 2022, we switched to Transistor to power all of our shows here at True Story FM. And it's been a game changer. I love the Transistor allows unlimited podcasts and storage without extra charges. We can publish so much content. And we do. If you want to start up a podcast, do yourself a favor and host your show on Transistor. With their one-click publishing, you can get your new show onto all the major podcast directories effortlessly. And their website builder lets you quickly build custom sites for each show. The detailed analytics are invaluable, too. You can access all kinds of listener data anytime. Oh, and the versatile players allow you to embed episodes anywhere to reach new listeners. Plus, the team behind Transistor is super responsive and keeps making the platform even better. After using countless hosting services over 15 plus years, Transistor has been hands down the best podcast partner for us. If you want a hosting platform to take all the worry out of getting your podcast out into the world, go to thenextreel.com slash Transistor and check it out. Support our show and support your own show by going to thenextreel.com slash Transistor. Start growing your podcast today. It's showtime, folks. Enjoy the show. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Saturday, Steve. Hey, happy Saturday, Andy. It's like the Arizona edition of Satnat. Uh, absolutely. That's it's exactly always, what it is. It's always fun. The sun is out. It's a clear blue sky out here. A little chilly, but uh, yeah, great talking to you this morning. Yes, it's always nice having my coffee sitting down chatting movies. How's your movie uh, movie life been this past week? Yeah, well, I was out of town for work, and actually, I was I was out in L.A. and got a chance to uh, visit my brother briefly. And he, it was Wednesday, and he's like, "Well, hey, uh, what do you think? Uh, maybe a midnight screening of Annihilation?" I'm like, "Midnight Wednesday?" He's like, "Well, <laughs> technically, it comes out Thursday, so Wednesday, you know, midnight is Thursday." I was like, "That's it's just ridiculous." 
That's so strange. Because <laughs> it's like movies are supposed to come out Friday. No, no, no. They're coming out on Thursdays. Well, now really Wednesday night. So pretty soon it's going to be like, hey, the movie opens this Friday. Want to go see it on Tuesday afternoon? That's so funny. It's looking at all the movies from the past as I'm like finding all the, the box office information. I do find a lot of movies open just strange days of the week. I'm like, God, I get, maybe it was a thing. And this Friday thing is something that started, I don't know, like the 70s or something. Yeah, I I don't know. I didn't didn't get out to to see that. So I'm I'm still working through, you know, getting caught up on Oscar things. Um, but you know, I really haven't seen anything this week to to talk about. So I maybe we'll get out this weekend to to see um, you know, Annihilation or because my kids' schedules were so busy last weekend, the rest of the family didn't get to see Black Panther, so may head out to see that with the rest of them, depending on what the schedules look like this weekend. Nice, so nice. Not not a lot to talk about for new or exciting movies for me. Anything for you? Yeah, not really. Um, it's been it's been a very busy week. Um, uh, it's funny though. You mentioned uh, Black Panther and your kids. I, I can't remember which one, which Marvel movie it was. It wasn't uh, Ragnarok. It was something before that where I took the kids to it and, um, and my daughter who, you know, she's, she's older and she's starting to realize that there's kind of a connection between these things. Um, you know, I, she asked some questions about something that happened in one of these Marvel movies. I'm like, Oh, that was something that's a reference to this thing that happened a while ago in one of the other movies. And she's like, how many are there? And why haven't you shown them all to us? <laughs> Oh no. So now I'm like, oh, okay. So so they didn't go see Ragnarok with me. They didn't see Black Panther with me cuz my daughter's at this point now where she's just like unless she sees like the whole thing, you know, she feels like she's missing something. And I'm like, oh. That's like 18 movies I have to sit with you and watch. Now. So you just go back. You, I mean, then you start do you start with, you know, the Hulk? Yeah, I think I think it's Iron, Iron Man, Man and then the yeah. Incredible Hulk. Yeah, yeah, so you got to go way, way, way back. Yeah. To, wow. Okay. Well, yeah. See you on the other side of that one. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It's going to be a couple years. We'll be, we'll be, we'll be well into uh, uh, the third, uh, third version or third. No, that's, uh, that's a summer binge. You just you know knock out a couple a day. Well, and that's funny. My my wife was the same way about. Um, the X-Men movies at first. Cause she was like, well, wait a second. There's like, you know, sh- are there some like comic books I should read, you know, before like, oh, she was getting these- and I was like, into it. I was like, oh, well, I was like, well, there's 50 years of comic books. Yeah. Good so luck. <laughs> no, she's like, isn't there like one place I can find just like, sort of like the summary of like, who are the, and I was like, there's so much, that's where we started getting into. Like, that's what Wikipedia is for. <laughs> yeah. But even that you have like, all the different storylines and reboots yeah, and different universes. And it's like, no, you just have to start in with, this is where th- it's this right. movie and know that a good movie will get you everything that you need to know. And you don't need all the, the back material, you know, from other exactly. sources, you, a, right. a good story will, will drop you right in and you'll feel oriented and know exactly what's going on or you should. Right. 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 Yeah. It's it, that, it, and, you know, and, and I can certainly see that as far as like jumping into the superhero movies, you know, that they have to establish the universe for you in context of the film. You don't necessarily need to have pulled in a bunch of other material. If you have that in your head already, then sure, it's great. But, um, you know, I think Marvel and DC, I think both of them have done a pretty good job of kind of building their universe within the film and establishing that. So you don't necessarily need to go back to the comics. But um, 
It is interesting, though. Uh, you found an interesting article, though, now that we're talking comic books about the Marvel DC uh, uh, comparison, though. Yeah, it was I have struggled with because I, I watched um, uh, Suicide Squad again. Oh, because oh. well, I, I just OK, so. I forgot to mention. Well, I mentioned. I guess because I told JJ about it on Trailer Rewind, is I I didn't get to see Itania, uh, right, which right, right. I I think all biopics should be structured like that. It's an amazing film, and so we, you know, looking at Margot Robbie's performance there and thinking about you know, she had a really solid performance in Suicide Squad. Maybe there's you know, let me just go back at that again. And oh my gosh, it it's a <laughs> nightmare. It's a disaster. But it, the thing was, it was. There were some there were some good performances. There were some interesting character pieces to it, which I think is interesting in the context of this this article that about Marvel and DC and Mark Millar, who basically is looking at this. He came out and said, "Here's what he thinks the issue is." Uh, that and as as being a DC fan, he says that the issue is really that Marvel has sort of a different approach or the characters allow a different approach to storytelling. You know, it's about the characters, whereas DC it's really, the identity is about their superpower and Marvel is about the personality. So you, you know, Matt Murdock and Peter Parker and X-Men, you have these interesting characters that you can tell these stories around. Whereas I think that's what we've seen with DC is like struggling. How do you get into these characters? You know, you, you, yeah, Batman's got his story, but you know, he talks about green lantern. Well, here's a guy who's got a ring that allows him to create, create these 3d things with green plasma and, and all that. But what's the compelling story. Right. And then the article goes on to point out, you know, well, wonder woman's sort of the exception. I think, yeah, that, that movie was successful because they did find an interesting story to tell which was about her, you know, struggle to, you know, she's discovering who she is and what her role is in the world. I think, yeah, that's that's exactly it. You know, Justice League was just, a, you had a, a villain and you had people that came together, but you didn't have the interesting personal connection. And I think that's something we've discussed in a, a lot of our, you know, film board discussions about the Marvel movies is they, you know, find different genres. They find a good story to tell with these characters and I think, yeah, I think he's got a really good point. And I don't, I don't know that it's so much the flaw is with the source material or the character, as he's sort of indicating. I think it's you've got to find the story to tell for that character. And maybe there isn't solid source material to go back to, but maybe that's the challenge for these writers is to create within this new cinematic universe, here's a new approach to this character. How do we flesh out and develop that? character to have them have a story that's compelling and interesting yeah and i mean it's a it's a case i've heard about uh, dc versus marvel before where dc it's really about the the superpower and marvel it's about the the character um and it makes me wonder if if uh, i mean i know dc is really kind of pushing their their big ones that they've always kind of had at the helm of their of their brand you know superman wonder woman batman uh, Aquaman, just kind of that whole Justice League uh, that's always been at the tip. But it makes me think that maybe there are some other more compelling characters that are a little deeper that may not have been as popular when they're in the comic book world, but could be adapted into really interesting films, you know, and, and maybe that's a direction they should start exploring. Well, yeah, because I think even in, in Justice League, the, you know, there were 
there's some funny moments between, you know, Flash and, and Cyborg. And I think Cyborg isn't a character that people, you know, he's he's a relatively new character. He's not one of those iconic figures. But I think his story, if they did an origin story on him, that's really interesting of a, of a you know, football star or whatever, and he's injured. And now he's got all this computer stuff. And he talks about, you know, in Justice League about not being able to control this stuff and computer stuff takes over and it's like there's an interesting conflict and struggle going on there that just gets really shuttled to the side and i thought and i understand the risk of trying to put something out there that isn't that branded name you know it's like you can put aquaman and wonder woman and batman out there people like oh yeah i remember those names cyborg who's that why would i go to this so i understand that challenge but i think yeah they've They've got, you know, potential there. It's just being willing to take the risk. I mean, with Flash, they've got this the TV series. Uh, you know, I mean, I think they've they've found their inroads with I think Marvel has found how to do that on TV with, you know, Flash and Arrow and, you know, even, you know, back, you know, with with Smallville. They they found a way to to have interesting stories with these characters. It's just how to translate that, I guess, into a more condensed, you know, two hour story versus longer arcs in a, a TV series. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they continue because didn't um, uh, uh, Joss Whedon, uh, or who was it, Joss Whedon or J.J. Abrams who was helping, and now they've stepped away from the next uh, DC project. That was Joss Whedon that stepped in yeah. on, on Justice League, so... Yeah, and then yeah. Uh, and then I heard that uh, that he had was, and maybe I'm mis- misremembering what I just read, but um, that he was going to help with the next one, and now he stepped away from it. I think I recall, you know, reading something along that, which I I can understand of wanting to distance yourself from from that. So it, it, again, he, you know, so many projects you can you can take on at a time, and you know, he did because he did Avengers and Age of Ultron, correct? He directed both of those, and then yeah. stepping in on Justice League, I could imagine that's. That's a lot of time in, in comic book land, and if there's other stories he wants to tell, yeah, he, he's he's a really interesting guy, and it'll be uh, um, uh, interesting to see where he goes. But it's also just going to be really interesting to see where it uh, it leaves DC and kind of what they end up uh, doing with their with their next film. You know, I'm, I'm curious to see if they're going to find a way to actually make something that that is really a successful film, not just you know making money at the box office, but actually is something that people really uh, can you know be happy with well they've got aquaman coming out later this year and then next year dc's got shazam uh which is starring uh zachary levi which a lot of people remember from the tv huh. series chuck and he was in a couple of thor movies one of thor's little you know sidekick team um and some people may think of him as the uh as the uh romantic uh guy in tangled Oh yeah! Oh, that's right. I for I forgot about that. Yeah, and so that's coming out next year. So we'll we'll see. Maybe they they hit their stride. Maybe some sometime down the road, your daughter will be watching eighteen you know DC movies to, to get caught up on. <laughs> well, she can do that one on her own. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, but regardless, um, I mean, Marvel has certainly uh, proved their strength at the box office with uh, with Black Panther. I mean, right now it's looking to become the fourth film to deliver a $100 million take of the box office for its second weekend. Um, it's uh, it's quite a chunk of change that that's uh, looking to rake in. I think that would be behind 
Star Wars The Force Awakens, Jurassic World, and what was the other one? Was it The Avengers? Yeah. That uh, that that made that much in its second uh, second week. Um, it's it's crazy how how successful this is, but it's great, and it shows that. Again, going back to the good storytelling that they can have in these comic book movies, I mean, Black Panther took a lot of really interesting uh, current political issues and and made a really interesting film out of it. This is a film that I, you know, a few years ago I would have expected to be, you know, May, you know, or summer or something like that because that was, you know, that's when your superhero movies came out. They were your summer blockbuster movies, but now you know Marvel's got to make room for it in the schedule because it's got, you know. Had Avengers Infinity War, then you've got the Ant Man and Wasp movie coming out, and so it's it's really shifted, you know. Even going back to like Deadpool, you know, February is a place where you can put these movies, and they and audiences go and find them. It's, I guess, now we've transitioned to people go to the movies year round, not just during the summer or not just during the holidays. It's now an activity people can do anytime during the year, and to have a movie hit a box office record, you know. In February, which would, you know, as I said, you know, years ago, it'd be like, oh, yeah, that's when bad movies just get dumped because people aren't going. And it's showing that you put a good movie out there, no matter when it is, the audience shows up. It makes me happy to see. But, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how well it does this weekend. And then uh, Game Night and Annihilation are both opening. So we'll see how well they do. I think Game Night's expected to come in second at the box office and Annihilation, uh, I don't know if they're tracking that to uh, to come in third, but um, you know, I don't know. I guess we'll find out if it's going to be Peter Rabbit still, which has been doing really well, or or uh, Annihilation. But um, yeah, I guess we'll find out. Yeah, well, we'll see if the uh, what was it? Is it the uh, food allergy boycott of Peter Rabbit it has an impact on their on their box <laughs> office? And then, I, well, Annihilation, I I think that one. I don't expect a lot of that because I I think it's a it's, uni- it's a limited it's, it, yeah yeah it's a it's a limited audience and what I've heard is it's right. it's a really challenging film it's going to make you think and I you know when you've got something like see I did it again I whenever you say game night I always think of that Will Ferrell Amy Poehler one where they're running the casino out of their house did it again and I'm like it was like oh yeah light comedy of course that and it's like no game night is not that this is the the darker one that's yeah. where it's like uh it's, it's a, a really dark comedy yeah yeah it's it's like uh the game right where it's Jason like Bateman oh, yeah, yeah and, Jason Bateman friends and, yeah and yeah where it's like oh yeah hey we're gonna do a little murder mystery party and then things really go then it turns wrong. into real murder but they don't know right it. yeah right yeah well, I guess that's got some some darkly comic elements. It's just not Will Ferrell, Amy Poehler type of comedy. So it's uh, it's getting it's getting good uh, good reviews. So okay. if I can get out to see two movies this weekend, it will be Game Night and Annihilation. So I guess we'll just put it there. I want to see them both quite a bit. Okay. Well, let's talk trailers, buddy. What's okay. uh, why, don't, why don't you kick it off? What's your trailer? What what is my trailer? I came up with an interesting trailer. Um, so this is. <laughs> a comedy this is called birthmarked uh it comes out march 30th and this is a story of two scientists that sort of take on the nature versus nurture challenge by deciding to raise their child and two other young infants they adopt contrary to their sort of family you know, history. So as scientists, they're going to raise their child as an artist and they find two other children 
And uh, one that they're going to rate, you know, the girl, they're going to race to be very smart because her, apparently her her family are, are not that bright. And uh, then there's the other family that's that's very angry and violent. They're going to raise that child as a as a pacifist. And uh, it just looks like so much fun. And I think, you know, appeals to me because of being a parent of your best intentions and how things can go horribly wrong and backfire and you question your choices as a parent. But this has got um, Tony Collette and Matthew Good as the parents. And this just looks like so much fun. I, I laughed out loud several times watching this trailer and I thought this this is the fresh type of comedy that that I really enjoy. It's, it seems smart. It has, yes, some of it looks like slapstick elements, but it's just done in such a smart way. It's something I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, absolutely. It, it had just a great comedy with it. Michael Smiley as kind of the the doctor who's like giving them the kids to raise and everything. Uh, he's just got one of those faces that works really well in a comedy like this. It just looks like something that's going to be a lot of fun. And the cast, yeah, the cast looks great. And the humor with these kids. I mean, it's it's very funny. And like you said, as a parent, you're always questioning how you're raising them and if you're doing, them, doing it right. And here, this is just a really fun example of like taking that to the extreme. So I, I'm excited for this one. And what did what did what did you bring? You you went like the exact opposite direction. Oh wait, when when does yours open? Oh, it's uh it's March thirtieth, and oh okay, so um right so the director and writer I had not recognized these names. This looks like first like feature film director Emmanuel Haas Dis Dismaris. I I don't know, and writer writer <laughs> That's Mar- as good a guess as I could have done, and and writer Mark Tulin, and it looks like they've worked together on some shorts before so it looks like a team that that they've got some experience working together which uh so i'm I'm interested to see you know how well this comes together i i'm excited about you know sort of first timers like this because i think they sometimes don't know what they don't know and they're they're willing to push you know into new directions and with comedy that's what i'm looking forward to and yeah march march 30th so fantastic yeah well, yeah, I'm excited for that one. Um, I'm excited for mine, too. Mine looks like a really interesting film that uh, that played at Sundance oh, last month. And um, I don't I, I never heard about this coming. It's nothing that was on my radar at all. The thing that drew me to it is the fact that uh, Idris Elba is directing it, which which got me excited. He's an actor who I'm endlessly fascinated with. I think he's always just making really exciting choices and he's just kind of a mesmerizing performer on screen and here he is taking this this uh this this novel this jamaican the novel written by a jamaican uh writer um and uh making a film out of it adapting it for the screen it's a, it's a, a british crime film called yardy that um uh, like i said it just played at sundance and the story of this is it starts off in uh, in jamaica in the 70s uh, this young boy witnesses his brother uh, getting assassinated, and then this like Jamaican uh, Don, I guess, kind of gives him a home, a place to live, and uh, and then once he's grown up, this Don sends him on this mission to London. While he's there, he ends up kind of reconnecting with his girlfriend and the daughter that they have, but then kind of all of uh, all of his life comes uh, comes catching up with him and crashing down on him. 
Um, it looks like a really interesting story. The trailer doesn't give you a ton of that. I had to do a little more digging to find out a little bit more of the story. Um, but what the trailer does provide is just a really, uh, interesting vibe for the film. It has this, this, um, just great sense of these characters and this world that they're living in and, and the struggle that our protagonist is having and just kind of his life as he's kind of moving through it. Um, it, it just, it was, it looked like a compelling trailer. I don't know if I watched it on my own, if it would have grabbed me, um, quite as strongly, but when I saw that, that Idris Elba was directing it, I was like, okay, that just turned into something that I really am curious about now. Cause I want to see what he is going to do when he, uh, takes a film and, uh, tells the story himself. So what'd you think of this one? Yeah, no, I, the Idris Elba connection, I think is, is going to get you know, some people out to see this one uh, that that it may not have been on their radar. The other thing, I, you know, looking into it, I saw that it's, it's written by um, Brock Norman Brock, who wrote uh, the screenplay for Bronson, which is a just insane movie. If if you have not seen it about uh, about a, the, I, I don't know if he's a serial killer, uh, but just this insane you know, criminal in England and Tom Hardy is, it's just the most bizarre film ever. So somebody that, you know, tackles darker material and, and yeah, there, there's a aspect to this that, um, and the story of, and there's, it's hard to get the whole sense of the story from the trailer, but it, there's some, some of the dialogue is like, it seems like there's two characters and one's like choosing what he says, you chose the path of grace and I choose the path of darkness or something like that. So it's, it seems like they, we've got some dynamics between, you know, characters and the, the path for the, they've chosen for their life. Uh, so yeah, I'm, this is a trailer I enjoy because it's not giving me so much that I can see where the story's going. So I'm, it's enough to tease me into saying, yeah, I'm going to check this out because these performances look interesting uh, and a, a story that uh, will be really engaging. Put us, putting us in a different world that we're not used to. So. Yes, exactly. As a good movie should. Yeah, well, with so, this, I don't have I don't have any release dates. Uh, it's still kind of in the festival circuit. Like I said, it played at Sundance last month. It's uh, it just played at the Berlin International Film Festival. Um, I think last week or maybe the week before. Um, and so it still is uh, kind of going through that process before it ends up getting its own release date. But uh, hopefully, we'll uh, we'll get something theatrical. But regardless, I am looking forward to it. Well, I guess it's time time for these uh, lists of ours, eh? <laughs> This list, it was, this was, this was brutal. I was, I thought, oh yeah, this one won't be so bad. I really struggled on this one to put together a, a, a list. Uh, it just, I thought, oh yeah, there's lots of films that fall in this category of what, what was it? It's like young, young actor or young performers. Young, yeah. Young people aspiring to greatness, to greatness on the stage or screen. Yes, exactly. So I, I I have a few backups, but I I am anticipating lots of overlap. But you guys often surprise me with with what what you <laughs> what you find. Um, well, we'll see. I I struggled with this one myself. Uh, weirdly, because uh, I I couldn't think of many uh, on top of my head. It was like it was harder for me to come up with them. And uh, and I found that when I searched for it online, it wasn't an easy search. Like it, it it led me down a lot of strange paths that I'm like, why is it? Why is it? Why is that link popping up? It has nothing oh, yeah. to do with this. Oh yeah, 
I ended so. up with with movies for actors to watch. I, f- I found yep. lists of like, <laughs> oh, hey, here's some young up and coming actors. I was like, no, 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 no. I don't know. I know who our young and up and coming actors are. <laughs> what movies about people right. like that? And uh, yeah, there, it, it was a short list, but I I found movies that I've seen, movies that I think are worth sharing. Uh, some that I think people maybe maybe one that people haven't really heard of. So I, I'm willing to, nice. to to delve into this. So. Well, just to, just to remind our listeners. So uh, this week on the show, we uh, did talk about Funny Girl, which uh, is, of course, Barbara Streisand as she becomes one of the uh, Ziegfeld uh, girls and uh, and uh, in her life thereafter with her uh, with her husband. Um, and so to, uh, in, in honor of that, we said, Hey, let's do our lists of, uh, what we just said of, you know, young people aspiring to, uh, to, uh, greatness on stage or screen. And, uh, well, let's go ahead and kick it off, buddy. Why don't you go first? Okay. So I'm just going to probably steal one because I, I've got to play my strong <laughs> one right up front. So, um, way back in 1950, there was a movie about a, an aging, uh, star, Margot Channing, and an ambitious young fan that sort of insinuates herself into her life and ultimately, you know, taking over. I'm, I'm talking about All About Eve, um, which I think when the, you mentioned this category, this is the first thing that leapt to mind, not only because it's sort of like the perfect fit for, for this list, but it's just, it's a movie that if people have not seen they they really need to go out and see. This was one that I'd always heard about, and when I finally got around to seeing it, I I said I can't believe I waited this long to see this movie. Just you know, great performances. I think it still holds the record for there were four actresses nominated uh, for Oscars for this one. There were two two uh, two actresses and then two supporting actress nominations. Uh, and it had like fourteen Oscar nominations. Uh, just amazing film, and I think a story that's still just that rings true it just touched into one of those universal themes of the struggle between sort of the the master and the mentor and uh, that that transition of power that's one of my favorites uh we have talked about that one on the show but we'll yeah well hey I, I, we'll let it slide I, I, <laughs> uh yeah i'll you know what i'll i'll take that yes i i'm breaking the rules on this list Hear that, Pete? I I, love it. I am the one breaking the rules on the list this time. <laughs> oh, that's just brilliant. I love it. Well, I'm going to go with um. I since since we're starting uh, strong, I'm going to kick it off with uh, one of my strong ones because I want to make sure it doesn't get stolen too. <laughs> and this is about um, uh, the a struggling actor trying to uh you know make it in uh, in uh, the acting scene in New York. And he just can't get apart. And he's he's struggling so much that he finally realizes that the way to actually get apart is by dressing as a woman. And I am, of course, talking about the fantastically brilliant film Tootsie. Uh, Dustin Hoffman uh, is just fantastic in the role as uh, as uh, Dorothy, uh, you know, Dor- Dorothy Michaels. As he uh, as he says so wonderfully, um, he is brilliant in the role. He he of course becomes a huge star, and it creates major conflict in his life as he falls in love with his leading lady, and uh, meanwhile, kind of steals the role from his female best friend Terry Gar. And it's oh, man, it's just such a great movie. I love it so much. 
Um, and that's my first choice. It's Tootsie. Oh, yeah. That that was one where I thought if I do all about even Tootsie, that's just there's nothing. <laughs> there's nothing left. <laughs> and I, I tried to focus on uh, sort of younger. And I thought, well, he's, you know, OK, let me let me try to create this theme within my list of like, you know, the, the really young, you know, breaking in. And whereas I saw Tootsie of like struggling actor. And yes, I think. And maybe it's because, you know, I was like nine years old when Tootsie came out that, you know, Dustin Hoffman, even if he was like a young adult struggling actor, I was like, oh, yeah, he's an old guy. So I, I've tried to think of, you know, like the teen, you know, really young uh, stars. So if you uh, say that, that makes me feel bad because I always thought he was younger in that role for some yeah. reason. But no, I was looking I, at his age. I'm like, wow, he was like 45. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, holy I mean, cow. <laughs> but it is. I mean, it, it is a, a great story of, you know, the struggling, you know, actor trying to, to break in and, and have I mean, it's just one of those films where it just it's amazing how well that it holds up over time i just yeah. yeah love that love that one uh so for my second pick i'm i'm the one that's on the fringe so i went with <laughs> 2001's mulholland drive oh, okay. um with uh naomi watts is sort of that young you know naive uh actress you know trying to make it and of course the story has nothing to do with her breaking in to hollywood it's david lynch and things just go off the rails crazy there but it for me it it's uh i think one of david lynch's films that's just really endured and it's just sort of the epitome of what he does it's it's got some incoherent things it's got that dreamscape quality but it's just got some really uh good performances as well i think it's where sort of everything came together for him and so i put that out there uh because i think it's also a you know great role for freight for naomi watts as well so that's yeah where I really kind of kick-started her career as yes I recall. yeah exactly that's one of those movies that i i i saw once and it, it just stuck with me uh, so strongly it's a it's a great film and i need to rewatch it um because it's uh, it's just it that to me represented kind of like david lynch at his best you know i yeah. really enjoy those sorts of twisty tales that he tells so all right well for my second choice i'm going with um i, I think it's fair um i don't think i'm quite cheating because this is about an actress um who is is uh, pursuing a career on stage. Um, that being said, it's not uh, acting on stage. It's actually dancing on stage. And it is Darren Aronofsky's 2010 psychological horror film, Black Swan, in which uh, 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 the fantastic Natalie Portman is struggling to uh, to find the, uh, the, the uh, place within herself, kind of the dark place within herself, to really be able to take this lead role in swan lake where she is this uh, this kind of this uh, transformation into this darker character and the way that aronofsky told the story and the way that uh natalie portman performed it with vincent cassell and mila kunis barbara hershey winona Ryder, really just a brilliant cast this was one of uh, Aron aronofsky's uh, just strongest films I, I really was drawn to it um, and i just thought he did an incredible job but just watching her struggle to find the uh, find what she needed inside to actually kind of become this role uh, was really kind of horrifying leading to uh, what I thought was just one of the most brilliant um, end moments of a film. It's just really, it really took me. Um, and so I think it kind of is cheating a little bit, but uh, it is my second choice because I think it kind of works also. And that's Black Swan. 
No, I think yeah, the the whole you know struggle to of of the of the artist trying to break in uh, to to reach a little higher for that and what that can do to a person uh, that that transformation. No, I think that that fits. I'm I struggle with Aronofsky's films. Uh, I'm not a, a huge fan. I, I have issues with some of his things, but I, I think there there are some really great performances in this one that are, are definitely make it, uh, especially Natalie Portman. Just you know, she's just amazing. All right, so this is one that's I think maybe off people's radar, uh, but it's a little bit on the other side of the story because this is a story of a a film star that is uh, coming face to face with an un- uncomfortable ref reflection of herself while starring in a revival of the play that launched her career. So we've got uh, an actress who had a career-defining moment as a young actress and is uh, now asked to perform in a revival as now the older woman and have that young star come in to play the role that she sees as defining who she was. And So I'm talking about 2014's Clouds of Sils Maria with uh, Juliette Binoche and Kristen Stewart and uh, Chloe Moretz. And this is, I'd heard about it and kept, it just kept showing up on lists and discussions. And so I sat down and watched it and it is, there are just some great performances for people that don't like Twilight Kristen Stewart. This is a different side of her altogether uh, with Juliette Binoche and their relationship. Kristen Stewart's her assistant. And just to see that transformation of a an aging star having to let go and redefine themselves, particularly when you see from her perspective, this young starlet that's stepping into her is is not not a talented actress. It's sort of one of the sort of like those Disney stars that's like, oh yeah, I'm I'm really shallow, but I'm get, this seems like an interesting part. And the dynamic between the two uh, is just made for a really interesting character study in this film. So it's it's one that I hope people give a chance. Uh, it's it's rather talky. A lot of scenes of just sitting around talking. But if you're up for that, I think it's a very rewarding watch. It's been a movie that I've heard a lot of positive things about. Um, I hear the performances are great. I've always heard how um, how just interesting of a story that it was. I just I never ended up checking it out. And I saw it pop up a few times as I was searching around the Internet. I'm like, man, that's one I wish I could say that. And there are a number of these that I've found, but I'm just like, I haven't watched them yet. So um, but that's definitely one that's on my radar. So I'll have to I'll have to get it uh, added to my queue so I can check it out. Well, for my my final one, you know, I've been debating uh, in my head if I should go with uh, with one that I think perfectly fits the bill, um, but I'm not as excited about, or one that I think is cheating a little bit, um, but I'm much more excited about. <laughs> <laughs> go with the I, excitement. I, go with the excitement. Go, cheating, okay. uh, you know, you know, come on. <laughs> uh, well, it's uh, and it's it's just such an obvious choice anyway. Okay. The, the, my my last one is 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 too obvious. If I went with the obvious choice, so I think I will um, I will go with the one that's more exciting and. Oddly enough, I have two of them, uh, both of which I think um, uh, are are very similar in the fact that I'm cheating about. It's not about a um, an actor who's trying to make it big. It's about a writer who's trying to make it big. And um, of the two that uh, that I had on my list, the one that I'm actually going to go with, jumping like you all the way back to 
1950, I'm going to go with Sunset Boulevard, which is uh, just an absolutely brilliant dark noir about a struggling writer um, who is is kind of ended up ends up in this strange place where he falls in with this aging actress who uh, is a former uh, silent film star. And and she is just she kind of wants to make it again and all this. And, and he kind of falls in with her and and, you know, uh, you know, just these these promises of of help and stuff. And, you know, the, the, the way that they're drawn together and the the dark places that the story ends up going. Um, it's a brilliant, brilliant film. And I love seeing it in William Holden as this struggling writer and and, uh, you know, starting the film off with the shot uh, in the swimming pool underwater as you're looking up at this floating body and, and he's narrating after he's been dead. I mean, it's just it's a brilliantly dark noir film, Billy Wilder directed in 1950. And that's, it is a little bit of a cheat because it is about a writer, but that's my uh, final choice, Sunset Boulevard. You can always cheat to get Sunset Boulevard on the list. It's just such a, that's, that's another one that I had heard about for so long. And then when I finally got around to watching it was just like kicking myself that I'd spent so right. much of my life not... <laughs> having this part of my film, you know, viewing experience. It's just a, a amazing, amazing film. What what was your other, what was your more obvious pick? Well, the other writer story that yeah. I, I was going to do was Moulin yeah. Rouge, which is about oh, a writer okay. writing okay. for theater. Yeah. And then the obvious pick was La La Land, because that, oh, yeah. you know, that just seemed yeah. like so obvious. It was so recent. Yeah. yeah, It wasn't my favorite film. And so I was like, it's just, it's so obvious, but I just, I didn't want to go there. See, so, yeah, for me, I thought the obvious one was going to be Little Miss Sunshine. Oh yeah, that's so, that been a great one. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I didn't even think about that. So it's, it is total. That would have been great. So yeah, but it was one where I was like, okay, I'll just keep that up because I, I'll, I, I knew I'm stealing all about Eve from Andy. I'll let him have Little Miss Sunshine because I figured that would be <laughs> on there. Um, Excellent. As well. But now I think we came up with some really, some really good lists. I think, uh, yeah, th- this is always fun to find some things to to add to to your queue if you haven't uh, heard of them before just sometimes a reminder of great films that uh, it's time to sit down and watch again well so what uh so what are we going to do for next week we've got uh um, we're doing our um jumping back into Catherine bigelow and her films we're going to be talking about near dark which is her kind of a uh vampire uh take on the vampire movies it's a little bit of a i don't want to call it a western but it definitely kind of has a cowboy leading character and stuff um i mean we could just go big and just go vampire movies because there certainly is a a a giant quantity of those to uh to pull from oh yeah yeah i was trying to think about what else is in the story but it's i mean not to say there's not a lot to it i think it it does a, a twist on the genre a little bit but i think yeah if we go if we go big with with vampire uh that gives a, a broad range for that because i think otherwise we'll find ourselves just too confined or or just really stretching and, and pushing against the list too much to to fit things in so i think you, you know well you know what we could do also is we could do modern vampire stories so we're just we're not pulling from like the gothic uh, oh you know, sure the old yeah. world ones yeah. so that, i mean that gives us a little bit more uh, oh yeah yeah refinement you know yeah because i think yeah if you keep it more more current you're going to get a lot more of the fresh take on the vampire how do we how do we do this sort of in a new way rather than yeah. just yeah the the old classic vampire stories so yeah I, I i'm all aboard for that one all right well let's do it so, so that, that will be our list next week modern vampire stories so that's that's really challenging for pete since he's always going to have to include a woody allen movie on his <laughs> list 
<laughs> yes, that that will make it quite fun. <laughs> That's one thing that uh, you know maybe would make me interested to go see a Woody Allen movie again is to see him do a vampire story. <laughs> oh, that oh yeah, that would be yeah the the neurotic vampire. Yeah, that there there we go. Well, there's the title, <laughs> the neurotic vampire. <laughs> Oh, oh, only Woody Allen. Yes. Allen. Take that, uh, Pete. There's your list. There's your challenge, buddy. <laughs> Have fun with that one. That's what you get for not being here. That's right. Excellent. All, all right, right, man. Well, I guess that's it. So uh, we'll wrap it up. Uh, all of our listeners out there, thank you uh, for uh, supporting us over on Patreon and uh, and helping us out. It really helps, and we appreciate it. Otherwise, Steve, it's been a great conversation. Yes. Always a pleasure talking with you on an early Saturday morning as I'm loading up on my caffeine. All right, buddy. Well, have a good one and goodbye, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Goodbye. Andy, according to my friend, Internet, this is what Letterboxd is. Letterboxd is a global social network for grassroots film discussion and discovery. Use it as a diary to record and share your opinion about films as you watch them, or just keep track of films you've seen in the past. Showcase your favorites on your profile page. That is a lot. You bet it is. That's why I want you to tell our fair listeners just one thing you do with Letterboxd that has changed the way you watch movies. Let them have it. Okay, are you ready for this? So ready. I love lists. As of today, I have 246 lists in my account. I use them to track the movies I watch, organize them in all sorts of different ways. I track them by hand. I clone lists from other people. I use them to plan what I'm going to be watching. All sorts of things. I just, I love creating lists. It's a fantastic tool. Sexiest animated characters. Andy, what is this? We love Letterboxd. And if you're a movie lover, we are sure you will too. And when you upgrade from the free account, you will remove ads and support the great Kiwi team building this amazing service. Just use the discount code NEXTREEL or visit thenextreel.com slash letterboxd to get 20% off your pro or patron membership. And it works for renewals as well. <laughs>